morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter to all of you. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This resurrection reality shines on us on day one of Sherathon 2022, this Thursday, as we gather together on April the 21st. It is a joy to be with all of you today. And what a what a great lineup we've had this morning, reminding us of the way that the Lord has blessed KFUO for almost a hundred years. At the same time, blessed us since we last were together. Together a year ago. And today we keep the heart of who we are as Christian people on this Sherathon day because we hear about the word that faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And that's exactly what we do here on Thy Strong Word with Psalm 127. And this is a psalm of Solomon, a song of ascent. And it reminds us of how all of this, including KFUO, is in God's hands. Unless the Lord builds it, the psalmist writes. And that's a good reminder for us because you know what? At the end of the day, all praise be to him and all glory be to Christ. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, and let's start praying on this day for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Helping us to be strengthened on this share first day 2022 is our regular guest, Reverend Stephen Tice, vacancy pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in New Wells, Missouri. Pastor Tice, happy Easter and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Blessed Easter to you. Der Harris Dolfer Standen. See, Pastor Tice tried this with me yesterday, and I think that's German. I'm not even sure. So what did you just tell us? I said, the Lord is risen. And uh, the response, of course, is, there is... He's risen. <laughs> well, the reality is, 100 years ago, that might have been a major part of KFUO as we look at Sherathon today. So let's just do it in English. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Hallelujah. Pastor, today is is day one of Sherathon, and we celebrate the many blessings, as I mentioned, for KFUO and the proclamation of the gospel around the world, anytime, anywhere. And Pastor, you have been on KFUO as a guest many, many years. Yesterday, Pastor Metter um, kind of bragged about being on since 2006. And I think today is a time where you can say, hey, how about you hold my drink? Because how long have you been a guest on KFUO, Pastor Tice? I'm not actually certain what year it started. <laughs> Somewhere around 2000, might have been 99. I'm not totally nice. certain anymore, but um, it was it was uh, it was back in the last century, I think. So there you go. We'll 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 take that. The last century it was. So, Pastor, you've been on for many years. So, tell us about the blessings that you've seen through the proclamation of the word throughout your time here on KFUO. Well, there's several blessings that I've seen and, and experienced and also have shared, uh, have the words shared with me by others. One of them was, was uh, the realization that uh, when we were able to go to Internet, uh, worldwide uh, sharing of the word through the, the World Wide Web, we have had participants in the programs uh, listening to the Bible study programs, I Strong Word, or worship activities, or any of the other informational and doctrinal broadcasts we do from Africa, from Asia, from Europe, from all over the the, uh, the whole world, literally, 
but also those people who are deployed or perhaps I should say stationed in locales where the Word of God is not allowed to be publicly shared, they are still able to access it through the Internet by going to Thy Strong Word, going to the, the Bible study files from the past, even the, the daily chapel services, the worship services we have. So a number of people I know that served in military or have businesses that take them overseas who have shared with me that they've been able to at least participate remotely in worship for uh, Sunday worship services where otherwise there were no Christian churches, let alone Lutheran churches available. So that's one of the great blessings I've heard of. And then I personally, I get to listen and hear things that I wouldn't be researching on my own or wouldn't even know about. And somebody mentions a book or an author, and then I start looking something up. And I, I find out more because somebody references something in passing in discussion of the, the uh, uh, Concord Matters or in, in uh, Thy Strong Word or just one of the presentations that, that might be on uh, over the weekend, different, different times that somebody's got a program topic that gets my interest. The other thing is that I've had individuals come up and say to me, I recognize your voice. They've never met <laughs> me face good. to face, but they <laughs> recognize my voice. And, you know, that one's a little bit shocking at one level. Um, and at the same time, I, I would call it, it's reassuring and humbling that the Lord uses us to do his work. We don't know who we touch, but God touches them through us. And this is so important for us to keep in mind that this is God at work, touching people's hearts and lives through the word, through encouragement, through the prayers we bring, through the, the information that we share in our programming in, in ways that we may never know, but God knows and God uses it. And so we keep it up, not because we think we're doing something wonderful, although we may be, it's because God is at work with what we do, reaching in places that we can't reach or we don't know about. And this is, again, for me, one of the great joys. Uh, years ago when I served a parish in southern Illinois, we also did the Sunday morning worship uh, broadcasts on rotating basis with other churches. So I was able in that sense also to be able to provide the chance for shut-ins or injured people or maybe someone whose car broke down or whatever, couldn't get to church on a particular Sunday, but they could participate with a live worship service and be part of the people of God gathered around the Word, even though they're isolated individually from others, even here in the United States. And, and for us, that was within broadcast radius of, of St. Louis uh, before we were doing these things online. So. And then that is, I mean, you really gave us the whole, I guess you say, enchilada as we look at the real joys of what KFUO is able to do nowadays. And one of the joys for me is exactly what you are saying is that Vice Wrong Word and also our Bible study at 8 a.m., um, actually almost all our programs, are guest-driven. So we invite guests to come on, often pastors, other church workers, to proclaim the Word of God. Because if you just listen to me or Pastor Apple or Andy Bates or whoever it might be, after a while I'd be like, okay, these guys got hobby horses and they just keep saying the same thing over and over. But when we're able to have like Pastor Tyson and other pastors on, we are able to receive uh, just a different glimpse of the proclamation and the gifts that our Lord gives to other people. And I'll share this moment with Pastor Tice. One time we had a mix up of schedules and Pastor Tice had kind of forgotten that we were going and I didn't t speak to him, very, didn't give him communicate very well with him either. And he came on and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Brady. I, I don't I don't know this text very well. And then he 
<laughs> and he goes through it, and he knew more than I did, and I had studied it. So Pastor Tice is a true blessing to us here on KFUO as we continue to look and to proclaim and to receive the word of Christ. So today, we ask you, our listeners, to support this proclamation around the world. By going to kfuo.org uh, backslash give, kfuo.org backslash give, or give us a call today, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. If it doesn't seem like they're answering, keep calling because they are ready to make a pledge to share 2022, or even you can text kfuo um, 41444, 41444, and type in KFUO via text. So, Pastor, we could talk all day about this, and we will because we have numerous breaks today. But let's start. We are in Psalm 127, and I will pray Psalm 127 um, because when we read a psalm, when we digest a psalm, we are also praying, praying this song of ascent. So let us begin our time in prayer. Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Pastor, as we have just heard this uh, prayer, we've read this prayer, uh, give us some background. What what sets it up for us as we um, look at this blessed psalm? Well, we have here what uh, titled in, in the prescript or the heading, a song of ascents. And then it also says it's of Solomon. And what we're looking at here is a song that that sings a praise that identifies God's blessing to his people. And it's probable that this is connected with the building of, of the house of the temple of God, but more so it's, it's tied to the idea of building a place where God himself is the main source of, of direction, of information, of, of all the materials to build. And then he goes on to talk about interaction within a family situation as he talks about God building more than a building. And, and in this, I'm reminded of what the promise God made to David in Second Samuel. When you look at uh, Samuel, Second Samuel as David's coming to the end of his, his reign and authority, he has this beautiful home, palace, if you will, in Jerusalem. And in the process of building this, he's identified the fact that he lives in this house lined with cedars. Now, it probably was a stone house, and it had cedar paneling from the cedars of Lebanon, the beautiful trees that, that were, again, useful in several ways as decorative, but also keeping in mind you and I don't have this challenge very often anymore, but cedar-lined closets prevent moths from eating your wool clothing. And for mm-hmm. the people of David's time, that was a major issue because the majority of their clothing was either going to be from wool, some of it would be linen from the flax plant. But if you had any kind of bug problem, linen uh, wouldn't be a primary challenge, but the wool, 
you know, bugs would eat that wool up. So his house lined with cedar would be the ideal because now it's safe from your home being d- damaged by the insects that eat up your clothes. Well, in the process, he's talking about building a house for God, and, and God makes a promise to him that I will build a house for you. Your son Solomon will build the house for me because you're a man of war, he's a man of peace. But in the process, we hear this phrase, the Lord builds a house. And so by the time Solomon puts this into his his psalm, his song of ascent, for going up the steps on the outside of the Temple Mount to enter the Temple area, to go to the house of the Lord, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Literally, they were going up in the city of Jerusalem. We have a song that builds uh, on the idea of God doing the building, and this, this verb to build is used in all of these instances I was just talking about. The same Hebrew verb takes the, the role of, of the construction, the assembly, the, the design, the putting together, the building. And when I say that word, I mean more than just a contractor throwing up the parts. I'm talking about a firm foundation. And when we look at the idea of Jesus in the New Testament talking about he who builds on my words builds on a sure foundation, we're picking up the very same thought. And this is where Martin Luther writes, it, that Psalm 127 is a psalm of instruction, and I like how you put that, because it, it, what is the solid foundation by which everything is based on this? And over and over, it, it shows us, unless the Lord builds it, which, like you said, this is Solomon, and Luther continues, it teaches that the worldly authority and household order are nothing less than God's gifts and rest only in his hands. And I think this psalm very much so uh, reflects a statement that we'll often say is, this is in God's hands, not our own, you know, and a reminder for us that everything we do in our churches, our homes, something like KFUO, it is all in the Lord's hands. And so, Pastor, we're going to actually mm-hmm. take more breaks today. Um, so right now we're going to take a short break. Um, we are studying and praying Psalm 127 with Pastor Stephen Tice, and we'll be right back. This program is produced by listener-supported KFUO Radio. Your support during KFUO share is vital to the continuation of great programs like this one. If you appreciate this program, please consider what you can give to support the ongoing ministry of KFUO Radio and this program. You can make a gift sending a text to the number 41444. Enter KFUO as the message. You'll get a text right back that walks you through the steps on your phone and it takes just a minute or two. You can also visit KFUO.org and click on the Donate button or give Mary a call at 314-996-1518. Thanks for listening and supporting KFUO Radio. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. and praying Psalm 127. And Pastor, uh, it is time for us to dig in, like you said, unless the Lord builds a house. So I will read the first two verses as we continue to dig into this wonderful psalm, verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds a house, 
Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that they that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So, Pastor, once again to our listeners, we are studying and praying Psalm 127. Um, we've gone through the first two verses. So, Pastor, unless the Lord builds the house, it, it, there's an explicit uh, reference here of basically this is in God's hands. How, where do you want to start with these two verses? Well, I think we're going to we're going to start with the the whole concept that, that the word is unless is used twice, and it's unless Yahweh, unless Yahweh. I think as we look at that, we want to we want to recognize that the the way this psalm is constructed and the way the the Hebrew is put together, the focus is on Yahweh's got to be there, no matter what project you're in. You're you're starting with Yahweh, and if Yahweh isn't there, the project isn't going to go right even if you think it is. So we look at, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And, and the word build here, as I mentioned earlier, is the, that Hebrew verb is the same verb that's used for the Lord building a house for David. David wants to build for God, and God says, you're not capable of building for me, but I will build for you. And so the whole understanding is that unless the Lord is behind it, unless the Lord is the basis, it won't go anywhere. Uh, occasionally in the life of, of congregations, we have these challenges of uh, people saying, well, you know, what should we do? Should we build a bigger church? Should we build a uh, uh, fellowship hall? Should we build this? Should we build that? And those are legitimate questions, and we ask them in response to what opportunities is God setting before us now to serve others, to bring the ministry of Christ into our community? What's the best way to do this? If you start without asking God first, if you start without asking what is God calling us to do in this community at this time, then the question of should we build or not really won't get answered properly anyhow. And so we're looking at, at the Lord doing the building of us spiritually first and foremost. He builds us up by the gift of faith through the work of the Holy Spirit, which comes to us in the Word. And, you know, the faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of Christ. And then also the assurance that when we're baptized into Christ, we've been born again by water and the Spirit, and now we can enter the kingdom. But what we're here to do in the kingdom of God in this world is to expand the kingdom and to bring others in. So if we're going to build anything. What we want to be building is connections to Jesus for those who don't have him. And so we look at that, that verb, build. Unless the Lord builds the house or the building or the church or the congregation or the program or the structure, Whoever does it is wasting their time. And, and this is so important for us to recognize that Christ gives us options. He gives us choices. And then we, we make those choices based on how we find the Word of God leading us. But if we're not going to the Word of God to ask, we risk running off the rails even before we start. And this is you know, such a big challenge for, for Christians, Lutherans as well, is, is we suffer from what I would call one, one professor referred to it as biblically illiterate, not illiterate, illiterate, having no knowledge of the Word of God for themselves and only have heard others say it. And we struggle with the need to be biblically literate. And, you know, I struggle with that regularly. And I look up verbs and I look up nouns and I look up the Hebrew and I look up the Greek and I say, okay, what is this really saying and what have I thought it said all along? So I have to stop and let the Lord build me up again from His foundation. And then the second part of that gets into the Lord watching over the city. 
And as the Lord watches, it's the, the same word for watchman is the root for watches. He's the one that keeps an eye out for it. He takes heed to things. He's noticing what's happening. Years ago, my wife and I were blessed to take a trip to uh, Germany, and we, we were with a tour group, uh, went through the, the Luther uh, sites and, and then went down into Oberammergau for the Passion Play. But in the process, we went through a little town called Rotenburg ob der Tauber, and Rotenburg is right above the Tauber River. That's why it's called that. There's Germany and has this need to occasionally tell you what river a town is on so you don't get confused. Because if you go to Frankfurt um, Main, you're in one place, and you go to Frankfurt um, Oder, you're in a totally different place, and you really don't want to go to the other one. Uh, if you're trying to get somewhere in eastern or western Germany, they're at opposite ends of the country. So the Rotenburg of the Tauber is a walled medieval city, and they still have a man enacting the night watch. And he will walk about and lead a tour. But the primary function of the night watchman was twofold. One was to watch out, looking for enemy invasions or possible danger from afar. But the other was to look in and to watch for possible fires starting that would destroy the entire city. And so he was, the night watchman was watching both out and in. And this is what God's doing. Unless the Lord watches over the city, looking out for enemy coming from the outside, but also danger from within. The, the, this pay heed to, it's not just the watchman standing on the wall looking out. It's also looking in, paying heed to the whole city. Unless God's watching what's going on in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our congregations, in our communities, if, if God isn't watching, it doesn't matter what we watch. God has to be watching out and giving us then his guidance and direction, which he promises through his word. So when I look at the, and, and keeping in mind that when Solomon wrote this, they had walls around Jerusalem, and they literally had watchmen walking on the walls. We don't live in that culture, but that trip to Germany enabled me once again to see that when it says the Lord watches, pays heed to, he's watching over the city. He's, he's looking in. And if God's not involved, then the human beings doing so won't accomplish anything useful. They watch in vain, because our enemy is spiritual and invisible, far more than the enemies we can see, which, you know, the fire was a real danger, and an invading army might be a real danger, but it's the spiritual that's the permanent danger. And the Lord has to be watching for us to be safe in that guard. And the promise Jesus gives is he's with us always to the end of the age, and that he's poured out his spirit on his people, and that he is watching. So we we don't want to over emphasize our importance. At the same time, we do have to pay heed. We do pay attention to what people are thinking or saying. And in the church, we go back to the Word of God to watch properly. So in verse 2, it says, in these words, if you read it out of context, and this is important for all of us, it is vain that you rise early and go, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So is that telling us don't get up early, don't work hard all day, and go to bed later? This sounds a little bit anti-Ecclesiastes in many ways. How would you um, instruct somebody as they ask that question? So you're telling me I don't have to work so hard. What would you say? Yeah, I, I would say this is this is a uh, a word again of, of instruction about how to live a life, build a house, operate a city, uh, function as a follower of God in the real world. And to a large extent, what that comes down to is we can't solve things by worrying about them. And if we try to do it on our own without involving God, God's word, God's direction, it's a waste of time. And the other thing he says is. Don't fret yourself. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And, and this is part of what's going on here. 
the the phrase he gives to his beloved sleep this idea that god gives sleep sleep is a gift sleep is part of how god restores us it's how he causes our bodies to rejuvenate it's how he causes our heart rate to fall and our breathing to slow down and and we develop a rest pattern and our brains one of the greatest things for me that i've discovered over the years is that when i'm struggling with a particular challenge and even when i'm writing sermons or preparing for any kind of a bible study uh, jot things down look stuff up read through it and then write something out and i share this information regularly with with the pastors or church workers and individuals in the life of the congregation who maybe have received a call or considering uh, changing a profession i say to them go ahead think it through pray about it then write out for yourself a, a, a response an answer, a letter you would mail to or give to the person asking you to make this change. Write the letter out, then go to sleep. And if the Holy Spirit lets you sleep, then you come to the right decision. And if the Holy Spirit will aggravate you and agitate you all night so you can't sleep, you made the wrong choice. And, and this is directly related to this idea. It's a waste of time to get up early and worry. It's a silly idea to say, well, I'll just sit up late and I'm so nervous and I can't figure out what to do. I'll just sit up. No, 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 no. Put it in the Lord's hands. Let God deal with it. Um, I saw a little coffee cup type thing, and it's one of those, you know, trite comments, but it has some great value to it. Um, The Lord said, let me worry about it. You go to sleep. I'll be up all night anyway. And And so, keep going. and, And that's really the point. There are some things beyond my ability to handle, so to worry about them doesn't solve anything. Pray about it, and give it to the Lord, and lie down and let him give you sleep. Go ahead. As Jesus says, and which, which one of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? This is from yeah. Matthew chapter 6. It's a great reminder for us. It, the, the focus on this, as it was yesterday in Psalm 128, is this is a gift from the Lord. And it's a great reminder of, of why if we're getting up early and going to bed late because we think that the world is in our hands, then we're going to have many problems and we'll never rest because we never actually are able to rest in the peace of the Lord. As he says, come to me, all who are weary and heaven laden, I will give you rest, which relates very well to like you're saying about making decisions in your everyday life. And he also gives us peace so that we are able to rest, like you said. It's time to pray when we get anxious about those things. Pastor, we have about a minute before our next break. Um, Anything else you want to highlight in those first two verses? Well, I think just uh, you mentioned it, and I'll I'll pick up on it. It's the verb give, uh, natan. You know, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. The epistle of James reminds us that. We lack anything, ask him. He gives. He gives sleep. He gives food. He gives water. He gives air. He gives all that we need to sustain this body and soul, as Luther puts it. And above all that, he gives us Jesus Christ and the gift of faith. So that everything we need, God gives us. And as I've pointed out repeatedly again and again, and we'll keep doing as long as the Lord lets me, he loves us so much he gave us taste buds. <laughs> and what does that mean? It gives us taste he buds. Lets you, he lets you taste the food that you eat. You get to taste raspberries. You can taste ice cream. You can taste blueberries. You can taste roasted potatoes. You can taste fresh vegetables. You can taste everything you eat. And it's a great gift to be able to enjoy those flavors. And then you can change it by mixing in a little garlic or stirring some olive oil in, you know, all those gifts from God. 
Now, now I'm getting hungry instead of, and I think this is a way to say it, instead of eating the bread of anxious toil, enjoy the, the creation the Lord has given to us because it's all in his hands anyways. But right now, Pastor, we need to take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 127 with Pastor Stephen Tice, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We're studying and praying Psalm 127 uh, with Pastor Stephen Tice. And and Pastor, one of the the great um, connections to our text today is this, that reality, unless the Lord builds it, unless the Lord watches the city, the focus always is on the Lord, as you said, Yahweh, the Lord, um, and and not ourselves. So basically, we're saying (laughs) this is this is the Lord's work, not our own, which is quite humbling for me at times, because as we do things like KFUO, uh, we've had just a a great year. I've been doing this since January of 2021, and I've had over... uh, uh, over 140 different pastors on the program. I've heard. I've heard all these things. I've, we've received new, uh, uh, emails from people from four different countries. We've had guests from 40 different states. We've had all of these things, and and it, and it's just awesome. You get these emails, and you get you know uh, phone calls in, and people give you compliments. And at the end of the day, I might start thinking, this is about me. Um, but Solomon doesn't allow that. Why is that important? As he keeps saying, unless the Lord watches over this city, why is that important for us in today's world? And especially here in KFUO, as our goal is to proclaim his word and uplift his name. Well, I think the, the key thought there is, is that this is the Lord's work and it will have the Lord's blessing. And the minute I try to make it mine or try to even control it, I'm going to interfere with what God is doing. And so I have to let the Lord bless it. You know, this is one of those those challenges we as pastors regularly face. We pick out a text that we're going to look at. We review it if we're going to teach a Bible class or specifically preach a sermon. We do the study. We look at the words. We ask, okay, what do the words say? What do the words mean? What is God telling me personally? Where do I find God's law in this section? Where's the gospel? How does Jesus predominate if I share this message? And, and then when we do it and we're finished and we look at it, we say, boy, I did a good job. I'm pleased with what I've done. We're in the wrong spot right away. It still has to be the Holy Spirit doing the work. God has to bless it. God has to, God has to do the work. And, and so I've, I've taken this as my regular practice and I've picked it up from a couple other pastors over the years who did something similar, that when somebody makes a comment or a compliment about something I've done, I thank them and I tell them it's the Lord at work. I am merely the mouthpiece. You know, I show up and talk, but the Holy Spirit's the one doing the work. And, and as long as I keep reminding myself that it is not me, but God who is at work here, it works out very well. 
And the minute I start getting proud or try to be even like it, the, the text says, if I start to worry whether I did it well enough, you know, yes, you want to be careful, you want to be cautious, you want to avoid being, as one friend puts it, uh, you know, sloppy. And, and in the process, he said, you know, a lot of people who just show up, show up and he says pastors can't afford to just punch the clock and show up because that's not what this is about. And, and in the process, we have to remember the Lord's doing the work, the Lord's working through us. And, and my pride, you know, like all human beings, I, I tend to get prideful at times, and i got to watch that. And, and so the way I deal with that is always remind myself, and I help myself by saying that out loud when somebody makes a comment, I tell them, it's the Holy Spirit at work here, I just talk. And, and I think that's a good way for us to remember that the Lord's doing the work. And that's, you know, when you're able to see that reality, and, and we talk often here in Thy Strong Word about putting on your Christ goggles, meaning as we look through the scriptures, we see Christ, because Christ is on every page of scripture, as, as I've said many times, and other pastors have, have proclaimed to me. And, and also, when we look at the world, I think exactly what you're saying, we look at the world, we put on our Christ goggles, because when we see it as redeemed, a resurrected Savior, the promise of a resurrection at the end, but also mm-hmm. that He is continually... Um, I guess you say, Lord in it over, you know, putting everything under his feet, we're able to see the world in a different way. And it reminds me of Psalm 4, verse 8, that reminds us, because we can see the world through those Christ goggles, that we are able to, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. You know, this goes back to our our, our understanding of everything, that when we see the world through Christ's mm-hmm. goggles, we are able to lie down and sleep because for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. It is in his hands, his work. And instead of us wondering how can we take over, how about we let God do what he does by the power of his Holy Spirit and the word of God. So, Pastor, um, how about we read the rest of uh, this psalm? And because we have another break uh, to to put into this. And then there's a little bit of a transition right there, unless the Lord. And then he shows us as we put our Christ goggles on, shows us the blessings that he gives in our lives. Verses three through five. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. The fruit of the womb, womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So verses three through five bring us to children, how the Lord blesses us with children. How would you, uh, I mean, this is a great, this is really good for our culture today. What What is the psalmist telling us? Well, he's telling us, Several very important things, and, and as I mentioned, this, this need to be biblically literate. When you go back to the beginning, God's instruction to Adam and Eve in the garden were very clear. Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion, authority, control over the planet. And to be fruitful and multiply means you have to have children. And children are a heritage from the Lord, and the Hebrew word there can also be translated inheritance. God gives us children. He did it by creating in human beings the ability to reproduce. It was part of the design of creation that things would be fruitful and reproduce. Let me put that another way. God wants it to happen. Now, sin interferes in various ways. Some people, because of sin's damage to the human body and the reproductive system of individuals, cannot have children. 
some people are in a situation where they've gone through an experience in life where they're afraid to become a parent because of some bad events in their own life, where they're afraid that if they become a parent, they'll repeat them. And so you see that sin damages that interaction with us having part of the inheritance from God. God wants to take that away. And when we have children, then we recognize that they are God's children first. He is the author of life. Mm. And then he loans them to us. So behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. In this sense, it's a, it's a gift God gives us. It's, it's a blessing God gives us. The fruit of the womb. And there we're using very clear words. It's a biological definition of a child comes out of a mother. Fruit of the womb. And I'm going to use the medical term here. This is the uterus, and only women have those. Okay? But remember, Jesus was born of a mother. And so the fruit of the womb saves us. And in this whole understanding, the promise that God gives to David to have a house for him and a son Mm. and an heir who will reign on the throne forever, all of this goes back to God made a promise that I'm going to give you children. And as the children come, each mother says, oh, I've received a son from the Lord. You know, back to Adam and Eve in the very beginning. And in the process of the, the ancient people of Israel, every mother being pregnant was hoping, expecting, asking in her mind, perhaps my child is the Messiah. See, when you lick in that culture, the idea of children being a danger or a burden suddenly becomes offensive. God's going to give you the Messiah as a child, and you don't want to bring this child to the world and bless the people of God with the Messiah? That's, you know, that's a self-centered approach. We don't live in that culture anymore, so we don't hear the, those concepts anymore. Christ has been born, come into the world. But still, children are, from God, a reward. A reward not because we're good, but because we are doing what he designed us to do. And as he rewards us with these things, he blesses us with the joy of, of a child. And the love of a child, you know, that child reaching up and reaching out to you, this is, this is the reward, a, a great reward, as, as Genesis 15 puts it. The Lord is your shield and your exceedingly great reward. It's the same word right there. And Isaiah talks about his reward is with him. This is the same word that's used there. As God says, I'm going to give you this wonderful thing. And when we get it from God, we now have something wonderful. And... Like the arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Well, what does a warrior do with arrows? He uses it to defend the family, to defend the the home, to defend and provide for. Well, the the children of one's youth are now the ones that one can direct, one can aim, one can point, and and say, "Here's, here's the important thing. Here are the targets in life. I'd like for you to see this as a priority. Now, we don't control what our children do as they grow up, as they leave home and and go their own way, but we certainly direct and point them in the right direction. And the other thing is when you have a quiver full of arrows, you know, you're, uh, you're dealing with somebody who's now got a supply. And... As, as some people put it, as you get older, having children is very important. You know, my, my wife and I both had a couple of uncles who never had any children. And in the, their elder years, uh, the one uncle married a woman who had children and so had stepchildren and step-grandchildren, and, and so he had that relationship with them. The other one simply had it through his nephews and nieces and his great-nephews and nieces. 
and so in their time of need, they had family to stand around them. They had people on their side, but if, if there had been no other family members, these people without children, they stand alone. And so God places the solitary in families, and, and he takes the orphan and puts them in a family. And so in Scripture, when we find God describing his role for the widow and the fatherless, it's tied to this same idea, that there's a, an innate relationship of blessing that God wants us to have. And the Christian church is part of that relationship. We are God's children, and individually we're members of Christ's body, and he's the head. And so we're all connected. This unity we have in Christ shows up in so many different ways in Scripture. But in this particular reference, it's talking about the individual home, the family, the the house, the heritage, all these words that that identify a place of belonging and, and nurture and safety. All these ideas are tied together in this particular psalm that God is giving us a safe place to be and a safe membership to have because of our relationship with him, and we have it through Jesus Christ, ultimately. Now, I want to talk more about that, but we're going to take our next break. We are studying Psalm 127 with Pastor Stephen Tice, and we'll be right back. This program is produced by listener-supported KFUO Radio. Your support during KFUO share is vital to the continuation of great programs like this one. If you appreciate this program, please consider what you can give to support the ongoing ministry of KFUO Radio and this program. You can make a gift sending a text to the number 41444. Enter KFUO as the message. You'll get a text right back that walks you through the steps on your phone and it takes just a minute or two. You can also visit KFUO.org and click on the donate button or give Mary a call at 314-996-1518. Thanks for listening and supporting KFUO Radio. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 127, and thank you to all of our listeners for all of your support of Thy Strong Word. Like I mentioned, it is uh, I've been a part of Thy Strong Word since two, uh, January of 2021. I've been a listener really since uh, the summer of 2002, and it was such a blessing to me during my seminary days to hear the Word of God from all these pastors, and one of them was Pastor Tice. Uh, I do specifically remember you coming on the Bible study in those days. It started at 10 o'clock, and mm-hmm. I remember you coming on and, and the wisdom that you have, like you said, uh, biblically literate, uh, you brought to the table, and it filled me, as I would say, with, with God's grace, as Romans 5.5 5 tells us, you know, that, that he pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and then that's what you did, and that's what other people have done for me, and why I just, I, every time I, I, I log in, every time I'm on the radio, I can't believe that I have the joy and honor to be a host here on KFUO for the proclamation of the gospel around the world. So, Pastor, um, I don't know, any thoughts on that? I mean, supporting KFUO, how would you encourage our listeners today to support this uh, uh, worldwide uh, proclamation? Yeah, certainly. Well, several ways to do that. One, of course, is prayer. We, we, we often put that as the last thing. It's really the first thing. We start with prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep praying for God's blessings upon the work we do, upon the people working with KFUO, and those who are, are giving and, 
and willing to share. My wife and I have been sponsors over the years as well. And uh, as we participate, we normally do it in recognition of a, a family event. Um, you know, this is one of those things that we get a chance to give thanks to God in multiple ways by doing that. And and uh, the the opportunity to say thank you to God for his blessing on an event in our life, but also then to share the blessing through supporting KFUO and the work we we are able to do by the, the the wonderful rearranging of God's creation where we take all these electrical components that are made of metal and plastic and things that God put in the world and then we redesigned and rearranged what God put here to start with so we can send them out over the airwaves using electricity that God put into creation by designing the atoms the way he did back when God was doing all this stuff ahead of time so we could do this today. And thanks be to God for that. Uh, uh, Pastor, we have a few minutes left here. I do want to highlight this. It says in verse 5, uh, back, mm-hmm. to our, back to our text, Psalm 127, verse 5, Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them, meaning children. Um, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies. I want to share this quick story. When we were expecting our first child, now she is 16 years old, um, and, but when we were expecting our first child, we were at our Vicarage congregation in Kansas and wonderful Christian people there. But a, a continuous response we heard from people when we said that my bride was pregnant was kind of uh, get your sleep now, um, get your, you know, live out freedom now. You're not going to be able to have any, you know, you're not going to be able to do this, this, and this. Save your money now. Save this. Do this. Almost across the board was all these kind of like, well, do it now because once that comes, everything falls apart was kind of the language. Until, and this was in the church, until I went to the the fitness facility that I work out, that we worked out at, and told the gentleman there who was not churched, had a lot of burdens in his life, had gone through divorce, all these things. His name was Merle. And I told Merle, Merle, and he was an older gentleman in his 70s. And he, I said, Merle, you know, my wife is pregnant. And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, there's nothing better in the world than being a parent. And that, that <laughs> it was amazing how God mm-hmm. works for people even like that. So first of all, it's yeah. good for us to be able to, and I remember that because I didn't, then I wasn't shameful. I almost felt ashamed to say I'm going to have a child because I was sick of all the law people were giving me. But yeah. here he will mm-hmm. not be put to shame. And that's our encouragement to remember that children are a gift of the Lord, that the Lord works through that. And I totally understand it now as a father of four, exactly what he is yeah. saying. Pastor, we mm-hmm. have about a minute and a half left. Your last thoughts on verses 3 through 5. Well, I think the, the thing to keep in mind here is that the Lord is the one who intends life to continue. Children are a gift from God. They're a heritage from Yahweh. They come from Yahweh. And, and it also gives you and me a glimpse, as, speaking as parents, previously before God gave us children, we, we were children and saw our own parents. But as a parent, we get an insight into how God loves us and the way he sees us and how he cares for us. And he is you know, the father after whom all fatherhood is named. Scripture is explicit about some of these things for us, so that when they come to us, we can say, oh yeah, this is why God wants us to know this, so we can see how he is, so we have better understanding of who he is. And this last phrase, that, that he will speak with his enemy in the gates and not be put to shame or shall not be shamed, and, and this, this whole understanding that they try to put it to shame. They try to shame you for certain reasons. And you were just talking about this idea that having a child is not something to be ashamed of. It's, it's a cause for celebration. It's part of passing on the gift of life physically. And the Lord wants us to pass that on 
both physically and spiritually. And even for those who never have children, can't have children, they can still be part of the process of passing on the gift of life by sharing Jesus and, and letting others know that the Lord loves life. The Lord wants life to continue. The Lord wants families to continue, because all of those are a blessing from him. And so in the life of the church, we find ways to include people in the family of God, and and then to try to find ways to connect them to the resources of God's blessing for the family, which is the life of the church, baptism, the Lord's Supper, forgiveness of sins, worship together, train up a child. Well, how do you do that? Bring him to church where the Holy Spirit can teach him the Word of God from pre-birth till death, you know? Get the little kids in church even before they're born so the Holy Spirit starts working through the Word before they even come out. Unless the Lord builds it is exactly what we cling to. Pastor Stephen Tice of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in New Wells, Missouri, leading us in study and prayer of Psalm 127. Pastor, it is a joy to have you on this share and thank you for all that you have done um, in study and continue to do, and thank you for today bringing us His gifts. Thank you. My pleasure, and God's blessings to you, and uh, KFUL. It's a joy to be all with you this year, I encourage you to continue, as Pastor said, to pray for the, the mission of KFUO as we stand side by side in the church in the proclamation of the gospel. Thank you for your support of thy strong word, and as we look at today and tomorrow in share we know that it truly is, unless the Lord builds it, is our hope which is founded upon Christ as our chief cornerstone. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.